Hey, welcome to Pro Football Ireland. It is just after week 15 of the NFL season. My name is Michael McQuid. Delighted to be joined by Mark Hogan. No Michaela this week. We'll have Michaela hopefully back for the next podcast. But uh, delighted, Mark, to be sitting chatting to you. We're recording this on a, a, a Tuesday evening. How are you doing, man? Are you good? Doing good, uh, Michael. Finally, the NFL season has come to a close and we get completely new narratives. Although I will say Black Monday kind of turned into what, like charcoal grey Monday? It wasn't actually that bad when it kind of was said and done. But yeah, new narratives, new head coaches, old head coaches, draft picks, wildcard weekend. It's nice to get something new after. Look, I love the season, but I guess it does. You're, you're looking for that bit of something new. It's one of the, yeah, it, it wasn't the best Black Monday, was it at all? Like I was sort of sitting, obviously waiting in work to be ready to go mad and to be ready to, to tweet like mad here. And it just didn't happen. So yeah, it's, I guess, you know, we done our last podcast on Sunday when we recapped the Jags and we, and we recapped the Chiefs Raiders. And, and then we just let people, I think, I think the thing that we enjoy doing is just letting people sit down and enjoy the games and not be sitting, you know, I think I, I try to avoid going on social media now during the games bar work. Cause I want to sit and relax and watch games instead of tweeting stuff. So, um, for me, that was our plan, just to let people sort of watch the games, decompress a bit after what was the last Sunday for a year of the NFL. And I think now it's it's a good time to try and recap both Black Monday and Week 18 a little bit. And we'll start to look ahead to the playoffs as well. I guess, um, you know, looking into Black Monday, Mark, at the time of recording on the Tuesday evening in Ireland, the main sort of story has been the obvious one with Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime out in Carolina, you're not in Carolina, in, in, in Arizona. You're you're obviously the big Cardinals fan. You'll be in Arizona in what four weeks? Are you are you gonna are you gonna apply for the job? Or <laughs> I'm presuming you're a happy man, like that that's happened now because it was a long time coming. And apparently, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Apparently, Kyler Murray is gonna have an input into this next head coach. So is it like the, the guy that gives him the least amount of homework, or what's the plan? Because I couldn't believe that when I seen it. Yeah, I was talking to Jason Hayes. I guess we'd call him a friend of this show. I guess anyone from Ireland particularly listening knows Jason Hayes, kind of Ireland's resident resident expert on the Cardinals, a title that I will graciously give him because he does fantastic work and has amazing insights. So I was texting Jason when this happened. I said, it's a good day to be a Cardinals fan because I couldn't do what we've done for the last few months. Dating back into last offseason when it was extremely obvious and apparent what was going on, like, They'd gone all in in 2021 and this season was lost. Like it was, if, if you really are into it, I know there can be naive or delusional fans and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but so, like if you're a real super fan, I can understand how you thought the season was going to go well. I was never that positive. I did do my typical thing of putting 50 euro on the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl, but that wasn't anything other than me having a bit of fun. But Jesus I Christ, Jason, 50 nip on the Cardinals. I, I, I always, I'll always sign up with it for a free bet or something like that. So don't worry, it's not always a... It's whoever my new, uh, my new betting supplier is for the week or for the year. But anyway, I was talking to Jason and said it's a good day. And he came back and he said, do you know what could have been the way to do it was if Vance Joseph was the offense or was the head coach and Cliff Kingsbury was a an offense coordinator, he could have worked out. But when you actually boil it down, he was way out of his depth. Really, like he he couldn't look after everything. He couldn't look after a somewhat hormonal Kyler Murray, which you know has been apparent for years. He couldn't look after when things were going wrong. The negativity that when someone has to shoulder the blame, he was never able to kind of you know <laughs> divvy that up to different parts of the room. And I think it all came back to you know Hindrum. And one thing that I did put out on Twitter 
was I just never thought that he showed much humility. And what I meant by it was he never wanted to take like Doug Peterson may or may not wanted to have been involved in the NFL last year after being fired from the Philadelphia Eagles. But I thought, why don't they put out reports saying that they want Doug Peterson as an offensive coordinator? Like imagine bringing him into the building and Cliff Kingsbury was so certain the whole time. He said, nope, don't need an offense coordinator because I run the offense. It's like, no, he needed help because at the same time, Sean McVay had Kevin O'Connell, who goes on to become the Minnesota Vikings head coach. And, um, Kyle Shannon had Mike McDaniels in the same spell over the last few years when Cliff Kingsbury was the Arizona head coach or head coach, those guys were promoted into those roles. So when the best of the other head coaches, even within the division, but like league wide are able to show that you do need an offense coordinator. I never understood it really with Cliff Kingsbury. So as a Cardinals fan, I'm glad that he's out. Um, like best of luck to the guy. He still made more money this year than I'm making my entire lifetime. So I don't feel as sympathetic as other people when it comes to like the livelihoods of these guys. It's like they are making absolute millions and millions. They've won the lotto by coaching one year in the NFL. So it's like from that point of view, and this is a single guy, you know, when there's families involved and you have to pull children out of school, this is a single man that can go anywhere in America now and have the life of Riley really. So where he ends up next, I don't know if it's college or if it's, um, you know, was talking to um, one of the lads on Twitter and he was like, well, could he come over to New England? New England would be a fantastic bot for Cliff Greensbury with Bill Belichick plugging every other hole and just letting him focus on the offense. But um, where the Cardinals go now, I suppose, is the next question. So there's so many things you've mentioned there that you could go down so many different rabbit holes, and I guess we will in the off season. You're talking there about you know potentially going to New England with, with as an OC. Bill Belichick is confirmed to come back next season. Interesting decision by Big Billy, as far as I'm concerned, because as it stands right now, he doesn't have a reliable quarterback in this league to play, and he needs to completely revamp that offense while still keeping that defense going. Different conversation for a different time. I guess my input on the whole thing with Arizona is I have experience, fans, Joseph. I don't care if it's been a few years and if like, you know, everybody learns, you can, uh, for me, you can either do it or you can't, he can't do it. He hasn't, ch- like I'm telling you, I mean, like if they give him that job, he's going to crash and burn. I think, dude, I think there needs to be an external hire. Uh, there's you know, certainty. I think the Panthers are looking at the Giants OC today. You, I think you need to go with somebody in Arizona situation where it's, not a new first time head coach. You need to have someone that's done walk the walk, talk to talk. That's the best bet for me. And then obviously outside of that, you've got Denver, you've got Indianapolis, you've got Houston. I think Houston were wrong to sack Lovey Smith. I mean, they, they, it shows to sack Lovey Smith, excuse me, way before they won that game in Indianapolis. Uh, it's come out today with the Colts saying Jeff Saturday is going to be in consideration and Jim Mercer is going to make the final say. <laughs> Wow, uh, there's so much stuff going on here. I was disappointed in the Texans, and frankly, I don't think the McNair family is ever going to get it right. That I think that's the massive thing for them. And I guess outside of that, you know, you got you got to look at Steve Wilkes going into Carolina. I think he deserves a job, but it's been a very very quiet Black Monday. I guess obviously sitting here on the Tuesday evening, it's still what like, um, it's seven o'clock here now. So you're talking basically like what eleven o'clock in the morning in LA. It'll be interesting to see by the time that this podcast is out for there. So if Sean McVay is still in LA, but there is a lot of moving to go both now and after the Super Bowl. Um, it has been surprising that the lack of stuff going on, but certainly um, Arizona is going to be one. Were you surprised at the whole Lovey Smith situation? Because I think you know he's a guy that's well-liked around the league. He's got a lot of experience. He led that Chicago team almost all the way all those years ago. 
And I, I genuinely think he was the right fit for Houston. They did not win a lot of games, but down the stretch of the season, they played good offensive football, fun to watch football in, in some cases. And yeah, it didn't work out for them. They've now got the number two pick. Fair play to him for going out and winning the game on Sunday. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the Lovey Smith thing is super interesting because like didn't feel like he was hired last year off the back of David Cully being fired, which that was a disgrace in itself because he didn't stand a chance with the roster that he was given last year. They fired David Cully. Lovey Smith had done a fine job as an interim, but it looked like they were, I suppose, looking elsewhere. But then the Renew Rule came into it and they said, okay, they kind of like, people were like, wait, did they just give Lovey Smith a one-year rental job because of the color of his skin? And I, I don't know, was I ever convinced that he had the job long-term because... We knew that the roster got no better. And what was he going to do with it? And it, it just played out exactly like we thought it was going to play out, that they were going to get the the number, well, not the one, number one pick, but, you know, that they were going to be the worst team in the league, which they were. And he got fired. So I'm not surprised at all. I think that, yeah, like whoever is given the job next time around will also struggle because they seem to be caught in a real loop now, even the way that they couldn't get the first overall pick. Look, they might still get their quarterback but like they are in an endless loop who is favored for the job it seems at the moment is the Eagles defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon who interviewed twice with the team last year and did look like he was you know, supposed to progressing well with them but Jonathan Gannon this is a bleeding green nation poll polled 2,000 people 82 percent of Eagles fans said they wouldn't miss Jonathan Gannon if he was gone that's its, that's its own thing whether the Eagles' defense, I suppose, the year before this wasn't an amazing defense. This year, it has stood up. I guess they're not giving credit to Jonathan Gannon, even though it is, I suppose, we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago that it was or has almost had as many sacks as any defense in NFL history this year. It just fell short of that record. It has stood up, but I suppose fans must be putting it on the plethora of talent more so than Jonathan Gannon's abilities. But if you're not going for one of these, I suppose, like, I'm not going to say superstar because to kind of tie into a point that you were saying a second ago, there isn't a lot of jobs to fill, really. Um, you t- I suppose the wall cards are if Sean McVay goes and Jer- Jerry Jones did come out today, Tuesday, saying that Mike McCarthy is safe. Whether that is to make him relax going into wall card weekend or not is another thing. I do think that Mike McCarthy probably has enough behind him now that he is safe. And then whether Brandon Sadie is safe with the LA Chargers, because right now there's five there's five openings. If you were to add in two more teams, that makes it a cluster. But right now, if you're talking about five teams to be filled with, like, I mean, I can give you a list of guys, but if you're saying that Houston has found their favorite in Jonathan Gannon, if you're saying one team is going to get Sean Payton, perhaps Harbaugh comes into the equation. If that's three teams have been looked after, and then you have two other teams vying for all these kind of new names. Now, I've been you know going on about this throughout the year, different stages, saying because of the lack of you know blow open the doors talent in the NFL this year, you know, because there's been a lot of parity apart from the predictable you know Kansas City Chiefs or whatever. Like it was always going to be, where is this coaching carousel going to come from? It looks like it is the Eagles with Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. But you just said there about how it's probably safer for these teams to go with proven talent. I 100% agree where where you're coming from that I don't want Vance Joseph because I know what went down in Denver. I absolutely love his defense. I think it's been absolutely fantastic for the Cardinals. I don't think he gets enough credit in 
um, you know, coaching everyone up. But do I want him as the head coach? No, not just because he's a defensive coordinator. That's part of it. But it is a lot to do with his history. And likewise, Steve Wilkes for Carolina, you could level the same thing against him because of what happened in Arizona. Now, he does look like he's matured an awful lot and what he wants to do. But he's going to go for a run first offense and that's why it worked out so well in carolina so i think he can only do it in carolina and was it a bit of a one-hit wonder i'd imagine so so there's a lot of unproven talent Um, i mean some of the other names that we're looking at D'Amico ryan's from the san francisco 49ers you have to understand what happened the last time the san francisco 49ers defensive coordinator uh, was promoted to a head coaching role it happened with the new york jets and robert sala it took him some time a lot of time he was on the hot seat for a lot of time to get going so D'Amico Ryan's two years with the 49ers a bit like Jonathan Gallon with the Eagles is it because his talent is amazing we know that the 49ers invested so heavily within the draft and um, signing players in that defense and it has been amazing so D'Amico Ryan's I think he can be a fantastic head coach but it is going to take time to get there and you're going to have to go like I mean why wouldn't you go with a Steve Wilkes or a Vance Joseph if you want a more proven um, enemy. Well, see, that's an offensive name, and Eric Bieniemy is getting nothing talked about this offense or this. That, that uh, is strange, isn't it? Because the last few years, it's uh, you, you've heard his name everywhere, and now suddenly it's just went like he must be it's, interviewing it's really, poorly, really right? Mm-hmm. He must be interviewing poorly, or the, everyone just gives so much credit to Andy Reid that they're saying Eric Bieniemy is, uh, you know, sitting there twiddling his thumbs the whole time. Apparently, it's funny because there's a head, there was a head coach in the NFL that couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes in college, and now he. It's gone. Cliff, I'm joking here. Let's um it, we'll react to this during the week to see you know, obviously it'll be interesting what happens with McVeigh. But I guess, you know, people listening to this will be looking to hear about these games this weekend. And we'll 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 come back closer to the end of the week with a podcast on the games that are coming up. You know, we're now down to a situation where we had all these games on a Sunday evening and, and now we're down to six, Mark. Uh the Chiefs and the Eagles have got their weeks off. And we've got Super, I don't know why it's called Super, but it's called Super Wildcard Weekend. The first time ever there's a game on Monday night in Ireland, which is going to be interesting. Seahawks Niners, the half nine on Saturday, the Chargers Jaguars is at 1.15am on Sunday. It's going to be good for Mass on Sunday morning. The Dolphins Bills at six. The Giants are playing the Vikings at half nine. Uh, the Ravens against the Bengals is in Sunday night football. And then on that Monday night slot for the first time ever on ESPN, who have got a playoff game on a Monday night. Um, or Tuesday morning our time Cowboys Bucks um, we've I, I don't want to take words out of your mouth you know, we've spoke about this privately in, in regards to some of these games is it fair to say that this is a pretty weak playoff <laughs> lineup I, I mean I don't want to be that person to say it but I'll give my reasons for it I don't think the Seahawks have a chance in hell against the Niners I think Brock Purdy will find a way to get the ball down the field to George Kittle Elijah Mitchell Ray Ray McLeod, never mind anybody else. I just think that I think that Niners are going to have way too much. And that's before you even go into the whole Christian McCaffrey situation. I think the Chargers Jaguars game is the only one to me where it's like, hmm, this could be a really, really good game. And this that's the standout game. I'm really excited to watch that game. Dolphins, Bills. I think, you know, as of the time of recording, it looks like we're going to have Skyler Thompson in the quarterback for the Dolphins or Teddy Bridgewater. We're not sure on Tua. And um, the Bills should destroy them. Giants, Vikings. I've got the, the Vikings walking that game personally. The Ravens, Bengals, uh, Bengals again, and then Cowboys, Bucks. It's maybe the other, like the second best for me. It's it's a weird, it's a weird setup, and it's almost as if next week is when the real playoffs start. Mark, am I being rude saying that? It seems like there's some teams that just don't deserve to be there, or like with some other. You're looking the Niners, who in my, in my opinion are 
as good as any team in this league are playing a wild card game. Now, I know that's the rules of this league, but when you're looking at like the the Chargers, the Giants especially would be the one for me. Like you know, like it's just it, it, the the setup of these playoffs is, is is interesting, and maybe they should revamp it at some point because the Niners should have a bye week. They're not good as far as I'm concerned. The Bills as well. I mean, the Bills should have a bye week. And they haven't got one. And they're all on the same footing this weekend. But I just don't see where we're going to get the shock this weekend. Like, can anybody genuinely tell me with a straight face that the Seahawks are going to march in the Levi's and win? I just can't see it, man. Yeah, you're dead right. I suppose we are keeping a bird's eye view on these games and we're going to preview them, you know, deeper later on in the week. So, yeah, I suppose continue on that point about the I'm, I'm not trying to be negative for, for anyone. No, but you're dead I'm right. very like, excited for it. I kind of like ranked these games in my head and I was like, look, the 49ers, Seahawks and Bills, Dolphins, it's the problem with the number seven seed. Look, we wanted extra football, but when it comes down to it, does anyone really give the Dolphins a chance even if two was in there against the Bills? They shouldn't. They shouldn't even be close. The 49ers, Seahawks game, did I see it was a 10 or a 14 point spread in the playoffs? Like, these are two number seven seeds that absolutely scraped in. I suppose, were they the teams that we wanted to get there? No, because they're not going in on massive form. So they're there now and it's like, yeah, we're going to have to put up with it. But it's like, yeah, they have been given, I suppose, the Saturday at 9.30 slot for the first game and then the Sunday at 6 p.m. I suppose they're your, that's the networks, I suppose, admitting or the NFL admitting that these aren't our primetime matchups, you know, because that is the early game over in America. Look, Every game is going to be prime time when it's standalone, but it's definitely, you know, later in the day suggests it's a bigger performer. You know, that that's just how it works. So those games, I suppose, are buried in terms of what I want to see. Uh, I'm interested that you see the Jags Chargers game is your favorite because I, I love the narratives. They're two fun teams. Anything can happen in that game. That's the wild, wide open game. But for me, I suppose the standout is if Lamar is playing, then I love the Bengals Ravens game. I think the Vikings Giants is fun because on their day they could give us a savage game. I mean, it, it seems that they they always get to have it on their day because you know they fluked into this season. It's, you know we'll continue on that whenever we preview the games. But they're there, they're at the dance, and they could give us a very good game. And then the Bucks Cowboys, I I think is super intriguing. It has the sex appeal, I suppose you could say, with Tom Brady and the. Uh, playoffs of course and then just the Cowboys being the Cowboys ESPN is delighted that that's on one and I, I don't know how you know it's divvied up but I'm sure that they you know if they were allowed to pick if it was done in a draft order I was they surprised probably... that game was on, on Monday night. I, I thought NBC would have got that on Sunday night because that's the, the biggie like, isn't it it's the, it's, the, it's the massive ratings because of Brady and it being the Cowboys like the Cowboys draw even in their worst season draw the biggest crowd out of anything on TV in America each and every year. So to put it in with Tom Brady is super fascinating. But, you know, again, we're going to preview this later on in the week. But can the Bucks even put up points? But can the Cowboys put up points? You know, they're coming off an awful um, an awful uh, game themselves. And I will say what I will be talking about when we preview this game is where's the Cowboys defense kind of gone to? It's not the ferocious beast that I've been at the beginning of the season, you know? So that leaves them a bit vulnerable. So in terms of how I had the games ranked, I actually had that Jags-Chargers games kind of my fourth favorite one of the week, just because I don't think we're getting a Super Bowl contender out of it, whereas the other ones could be a bit friskier. I guess that sort of goes in. And you, you have mentioned there, was it the sex appeal of a Tom Brady? But in all seriousness, um, those were the two sort of standouts this weekend, you know, Tua and Lamar, 
Jesus, they then need Lamar Jackson massively in this game. And as of the time of recording on Tuesday, he's expected to practice. I guess the big question is outside of that, do you, I know it's a playoff game. I know it's win or go home. But if you're not 100% fit, at what point does Harbour and, and the Ravens say, no, Lamar? Because, you know, and even and even Lamar Jackson, Mark, who is playing for a contract extension, who wants two or three hundred million dollar reduce, should, like, they're going up against a Bengals team that are unreal. So there's not a lot of people that are giving them a chance to go to Cincinnati and win. Granted, they have the ability. If they can make it work on Sunday, they have, or if, if they can make it work this weekend, they have the ability, they have the ability to win a game in Cincinnati in a one-off playoff game. Do not get me wrong. But they're going to need to be at max on everything. It comes down to that moral question of how fit is Lamar? And that's the big issue for me. I certainly think the Ravens have a better chance than the Dolphins. I feel that you know, I, I just don't see how we're going to see Tua this week. Um, And obviously, Skyler Thompson is not going to get the job done. Teddy Bridgewater, like Vance Joseph, I've seen him in Denver, and I, I just don't feel that Teddy Bridgewater will... The key here is going to Buffalo and scoring anywhere between 30 to 37 points. That's what you need. To, that's that's the key. And that's even hoping that Buffalo don't, you know, go crazy and keep going and going and going and going and going. They're full of emotion. That was like awesome. We, we didn't get a chance to chat about that. That was a, a, a just an amazing game, an amazing moment on Sunday, that first play of the game as well. I just don't see how Miami find a way to win in Buffalo. So for me, it's that it's that Lamar, it's that Ravens. If the Ravens upset the Bengals, it would be nuts, wouldn't it? It would be incredible. Yeah, but I guess that is why if like this is an absolute barn burner of a game, if it was back in what, October? Like, I was thinking about this, and when Lamar was in, and when they had Rashad Bateman, the Ravens, I think, might have gone to my number one in my power rankings for a week, which I don't know if the Bengals ever got there. So it showed, like, the ceiling for the Bengals, or sorry, for the Ravens this year did seem to be higher. But, like, these, I guess, were my two favorite teams to be watching later on in the year. The thing with Lamar is funny because it was only supposed to be a week max two when he was first knocked out, and it kind of has lingered. There is a story out there this week that it was contract related that you know he was kind of throwing his weight around saying, Well, look, I don't want to, f- you didn't sign me up now, I you know have to protect myself going into the offseason. Now, I don't, and Ian Rappaport's tweeted out saying that realistically that is not going to influence this game because why wouldn't you play him if you're the Ravens? Well. He could be gone next. We know the franchise tag exists, but at the end of the day, if he gets injured, it's like when DeMarco Murray and all these players coming towards the end of their time in a certain city were just being trotted out there. And, you know, it's the whole running back thing. It's like, well, if they're not going to be playing for us, we can get them as banged up as we want because we're not on the hook for it. And, you know, they can go off and do their own thing. So if you have Lamar in the building now, and this is your last guarantee that you're going to have Lamar playing for you, why not put him out there? And we're definitely going to talk more about that during the week. But it's like, I think that if a bit like Jalen Hurts last week, it, it's not even a question for me because it's yeah, you have to win now at this point. There's no point saying for next year. It's like with the talk about the Eagles. If they're looking now that Shane Steichen or Jonathan Gannon could be gone as their coordinators next year, they know that now is the time that you have to have to capitalize because there's going to be an awful lot of change next year. So you have Lamar in the building. It's, you never focus on next year. I suppose it's a bit like when we're doing the whole NFL thing. I know that like we're often looking forward to, oh, we must get this right next year or oh, I'm going to prepare this better in the off season because I know I've made myself like that's for us to do. But when you're playing in the NFL 
and you have finally got to the playoffs and it's taking you 18 weeks and your team is relatively healthy it's you go all chips in there's no question about it i suppose that's the difference between lamar and tua the lamar question is between player and coaches whereas with tua he has to clear the protocol and you know he went into the protocol on the 26th of december it's an awful long time he's taking now to get out of the concussion protocol so that's what makes me believe that he's definitely you know not going to get in which makes that game a lot more desperate even though it's not close but when it comes to the ravens and bengals ravens with lamar absolutely make this an exciting game i think yes sir let's uh, jump we're, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers before we get off in a second but let's jump about on the Chicago Bears situation Bears now with the number one pick in the draft I either text you or text somebody else when this happened and I will repeat it now Chicago will find a way to mess this up I'm sorry and I know there's Bears fans listening to this there's plenty of Bears fans in Ireland they will find a way to mess this up the amount of Justin Fields is a running back tweets that I have found this week online is a uh, is nuts. Justin Fields had an awesome season, broke so many different records, really progressed well. The rest, or the vast majority of the rest of the team, are completely another dog shite. But that that's a different conversation for a different time. Chase Claypool, I, I I'm never going to understand this pickup, and then I guess with the draft capital as well. But I guess it's good timing that we're recording this now because in the last few hours. Uh, Mark Ryan Poles is not ruling out selecting a quarterback at the number one position in the draft saying I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision and um, he obviously has to say that in regards to draft capital something tells me they're going to find a way to mess this up because Ryan Poles said last January that they were going to take the NFC North this year and not give it back so Already, I'd be concerned if I was a Bears fan. But look, the Bears, I guess Bears fans are already looking forward to September. There are signs of life there. You look at the progression. If you can keep Justin Fields protected, they could be in for a, at least a better year next year. You've got a Detroit Lions team in the NFC North that should have made the playoffs this year. I think the Lions are the team that deserve to be in that wild card spot this weekend, and they're not. The Packers, we're going to talk about in a minute, and then the Vikings. So it's an interesting time in the NFC North. But I mean, if you're Ryan Poles, if you're Chicago, you trade down, don't you? And you get as much capital as you can. Yeah, like when they traded Robert Quinn mid-season, I know he's 32 years old, but they gave him up for a fourth-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. That was them showing that they need a lot more pieces than just, you know, say a Will Anderson who will slot into that defensive end role or um, a Carter who would be on the defensive line anyway. So I think that move tells me that they are conscious enough that they need to build for the future massively and a haul needs to be gotten for the pick. Or you trade back. I mean, like, they're in such a good space with Indianapolis. They're just behind them. And I suppose this is a very early kind of look at how their preseason, or sorry, their offseason is going to go. But I definitely think you have to trade back if you're there. The Juju or the Chase Claypool thing is the funniest in the world. It equates now because the Dolphins have surrendered their first round pick because of uh, cheating last year. That it's it would have been a first round pick that they've given up for Chase Claypool. Now I I like the talent in Chase Claypool, but when you think they do have a lot of hug or plugs, 
plugs to fill, holes to plug, right? Uh, that I do think uh, I got there eventually. I, th- I I think that there's too much, but I would be excited for the Chicago Bears. Like if I was doing my power rankings now this week, I know like as the season has you know ended, they're dead bottom. But like I think there's a lot of faith. 120 million. Like I was kind of comparing it to what Jacksonville did last year. They had the first overall pick, and they obviously went defensive line, and they had 56 million. What did 56 million get them? They probably messed it up because we know they paid way too much money for Christian Kirk. They got Zay Jones. They got Evan Ingram. They got Brandon Scherr for the offensive line. Like, that's what half the money allows you to do. But that was like, that was four starters I'm after rattling off there for their offense. If you double the amount of money that they have, they could put four starters on offense, four on defense. Then you put in the draft as well. They have to chase Claypool, you know, you can call him a new starter. I think Justin Herbert or Justin Fields was looking like an MVP candidate to me last year. I don't know how you get rid of him. So like, I'd be very high if I was the Chicago Bears, especially within that division that, you know, the Vikings were a bit suspect. We're going to talk about Green Bay in a moment. And then the Detroit Lions, you know, like they're not set themselves a quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's going to be a phenomenally interesting offseason for Chicago Bears. Like they're eligible for hard knocks. I think they go for hard knocks and stuff. And I was actually thinking if you were, and we were just talking about head coaches at the top of this, they obviously got rid of their head coach last year. If you were in... the head coaching cycle this year if you're your sean paytons or whoever it is the team you'd want to be with is the chicago bears because they have so many avenues to explore and they have their quarterback i guess time will tell <laughs> i'm intrigued and that's i guess that's, that's going to keep us going at the start of april what are the bears going to do how are they going to mess it up what's the crack going to be i i think they'll trade down and i think it'll come way before draft night I think it'll happen quickly enough. I think that'll keep us going after the first few months where, so, where nothing's going on after the Super Bowl. Right, let's let's round up on this Packers game. I'm going to publicly announce now I fell asleep with seven minutes to go in this game. I woke up 20 minutes after the game and seen that the Packers lost it. And I obviously wasn't surprised because of the situation in regards to, obviously, the Packers are now out of the playoffs. But the thing for me that wasn't surprising was the fact that they're out. They were so poor in that game. They couldn't get anything going together on the offense. There was a thing at the start of the game where Aaron Rodgers, Mark, should have ran in and scored a touchdown and he threw the ball away. I don't know what was going on there. But more so, it was the, it was the way that the Lions approached the game and fair play and fair play to Dan Campbell, fair play to the Lions. A lot of the players didn't even know the result of the Seahawks game. They went in, they wanted to knock the Packers out and by hell they gave them a game. There's two different factors here. It's the improvement of that Lions team, but it's also how poorly the Giants have been and they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Ever since that game against the Giants in London, it's just went downhill and downhill and downhill. And I think, you know, you can sit here at the start of December and start winning games, but the reality is it's it's too late. The question that I have for you as I yawn, listening to myself, man, is this, do you think Aaron Rodgers plays another down in the NFL? Because I don't. I think this is it. I think we, we I think this is the end. Um, I know we hear and, and we, and we see this every year, but I genuinely feel now, this year, and in this moment, that Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay. And I think he'll retire, regardless of the financial situation. So am I crazy? Also, I think Lafleur should go. Because the way that they played in the last part of the season, suddenly picking it up and winning games, like there's so much blame towards Rodgers. There's so much blame towards the OC. There's talk about bringing the final hacket back in as the OC. Why aren't people calling out Lafleur? I genuinely find it insane. 
if they'd won a Super Bowl with Lafleur, would you be calling for him? Because look at what happened in Los Angeles this year with the Rams and Sean McVay. No one's calling for his head. So I, I do think like it's disappointing what's happened with Lafleur, but like I don't put it all on him. Um, he's shown too much talent. I know like everyone is kind of like, look, we're just gonna have to press reset. But you know, it's a bit like Dan Quinn when his time came to an end with Atlanta. It was kind of like maybe he ran out of ideas, but Look, it was just a, a change in culture, a shift in that kind of mindset was more so what happened with Dan Quinn. And I know there was miserable results there too, but so that's where I come from or come with the Lafleur thing. The only reason I get rid of him is if you wanted a culture change because, you know, he obviously is phenomenal and, you know, he's proven that, you know, like he's been the Packers. I know it's just, I, I, I hate just saying, making a, you know, a comment like, oh, the Packers have been there, thereabouts for the last few years, but they have, and I don't think it's just down to Rodgers. I think Lafleur has run a good ship. And then in terms of whether Rodgers is going to be there next year, I think he has to be because he's like Brady. He's too competitive for his own good. Like, he hates being told he's wrong. And is he really going to go out on that season? I think he'll want to prove himself, you know, because he wants to be remembered in the greatest of all time. Like, the way Manning went out, I know it was, oh, well, that, defense won them a Super Bowl was also the amount of touchdowns that he threw and stuff that Rodgers if he was going to go out he would have gone out on the back of two MVP titles not this so I think he will want to get back back to the mountain especially with uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson now in the building and performing versus the question mark that was there halfway through the season and I kind of wonder as well like what's next for Rodgers because his stock is definitely down. I don't know if his stock is ever going to recover after the COVID thing and then everyone kind of turned on him and they they said he's too negative. A couple of years ago, I was a massive Rodgers fan and even I went off him. But I suppose Pat McAbee is calling, the media game is calling. I don't think Aaron Rodgers trusts the media. So is he really going to sell out and you know do that for a living when like the quotes last week that I brought up on the show were about how he threw a lot of doubts and yeah, if you followed the narratives that was put out there by different writers, different podcasts, different what have you, you wouldn't believe it, but I stayed focused. He won't be able to stay focused. He's going to have to buy into those narratives and I don't think he has it in him. It's a bit like Bruce Arians when Bruce Arians went into the colour commentary gig. He was like, no, not for me. I'd rather be involved in the sport. So I don't know where um, Aaron Rodgers' next venture is, but it's not going to be helped by um, this negativity around him, especially you now that he's been called a trash quarterback and stuff like that all of a sudden that he needs to go. I think he'd like to prove himself some more. I think he's done. I just don't see how he comes back after this. And I I think this has been coming for a long time, man. I just don't see... I think what will happen is you'll get through the Super Bowl and a couple of weeks in, I think he'll call a conference and I think he'll call it a day. I really do. I think he's... I just think he's done. I just don't see... It's either that or he doesn't play for Green Bay again. I, and I genuinely think that could be a, real, a realistic opportunity you've seen before um, with Brett Favre, what happened there. I, I do think eventually... You know, you drafted Jordan Love for a reason. You have to give him a chance at some point. Aaron Rodgers this year in this offense, especially on Sunday night, couldn't get it done. They had Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, to not, not even the name of, of the different players on the offense side of the ball. There's no excuse there for me. And, and, and I think it is time. And I'm sorry to the Green Bay fans listening to this podcast. Before we pop, have you any final words to add for people looking for hope in this in this time with their team or anything? Or have you had anything to say? Uh, one thing I would love to say is he said that he'll leave a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers to announce his retirement if that was to happen. 
I would love if we actually dissected when he would do it. I feel like it would be half time at the NFC Championship game or something like that because he'll want all the um, the flaws. Realistically, I think it would be like the day after the NFC Championship game when everyone's talking about the Super Bowl and you'd want to steal some of the limelight. But now, in terms of it all, I think. Yeah, look, Black Monday kind of showed up the uh, consistency across the NFL this year. You know, like we said, three teams already had their head coaches out, and it was only the Cardinals and the Pan. Uh, sorry, it was only the Cardinals and the Texans that fired anyone. And you know, that wasn't uh, a million miles away. So it will allow because there's so few vacancies to fill. And like I said, if John, Jim Harbaugh and or if Harbaugh and um, Sean Payton do come back into the fold, it means that a lot of teams will actually keep their coordinators and defense coordinators, and that will allow a lot of consistency going into next year, which is definitely nice. I mean, if Eric Bieniemy ever did leave Kansas City, you know, they kind of wondered how they'd survive, and then that's been kind of fleshed out the last few years, and it's like, that's why he hasn't got a job, because maybe it is Andy Reid. But I think from that point of view, like, the last couple of years, there's been like eight, eight or seven openings, and that's meant or allowed for a lot of change across the NFL landscape. So I think... In terms of a positive note, I think that's definitely one that a lot of teams would be able to keep their guys in the building and it'll allow them to grow going into next year. Time will tell. We, 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 we will be back. Uh, I can't even say we tonight. We will be back with some sort of news in regards to Black Monday, but more importantly, Mark, looking towards the wild card weekend with Michaela towards the latter part of this week. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say in regards to that there. Uh, in the meantime, folks, you can listen uh, get involved at NFL Ireland on all social media platforms. Appreciate your support of this platform. It's just fantastic. Be, you know, and, and we're so excited to to get to Arizona next month and hopefully um, do as much as we can for our NFL fans. So, Mark, f- thanks a million for your time, man, and uh, have a good day. Nice, Michael. Keep her living.